When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 509 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Hope you guys had a happy, happy weekend. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined, as always, by my co-host from Wisconsin, Ben Askren, and a special co-host today, and for a couple weeks, Bracky is in uh, West Virginia, till July, I think. So what? Yeah, dude. Man, he's taking it. a little tighter, tighter ship there, Flo. And listen, <laughs> listen. Well, item one: Bracky takes no days off and basically works when he's on vacation. This is not a vacation. He, you know, he's going home, and you can't get him to not work. You can't even get him to. You're oh. like, Bracky, stop. It's it's the point where we have to get the IT department involved and restrict his back end access. Otherwise, he will continue to work. What am I supposed I to see, do with that? I see what you're saying, Christian. You're saying that he's actually not visiting West Virginia. What you're trying to tell us, uh, without saying it fully, is that he's exploring alien hour possibilities for the future. Is he on an exploratory mission? We we don't know. We are not there with him right now. I know he is in West Virginia. What he's doing there, that's Kyle Brackey's business. But uh, I know he's Gosh. listening. If you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube right now, um, you can thank Stephen Kyle Brackey for that. He's doing that right now. He's, he'll probably be chatting in there with you. So uh, be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's coming back. So well, yeah, hey, I got I got something to start the show. All right, uh, let's with go. you guys. Well, Bray, Bray, you know, Bray was a part of this, so he he can answer for it too. Um, yeah. You know, I I didn't necessarily feel this, but I have had multiple texts saying why was uh, Bad Blood so biased towards Kyle Dake, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I know you guys and. I just don't. I don't even think you guys think that way. Um, but that I've had multiple people say that, and then I, you know, I obviously clicked on, uh, you know, the comments, and I, I feel people are thinking that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I can definitely see why you would think that. Um, I think because the crux of the bad blood and the reason Dake feels a certain kind of way is he. To tell the story of why why does Dake feel this way, you have to give Mm -hmm. the full picture of what has happened, right? And all these little things, it's like, not that Jordan has clearly proven he's the better guy on an individual head-to-head basis, and he's the better guy internationally, right, through through his many accolades. But if you're wondering what, basically the the way I, I conceptualize Bad Blood and the way I think they put it together is like, all right, what got Kyle Dake to this point where mm. he wanted to talk like this towards Jordan Burroughs in front of everyone was such, it wasn't just competitive banter. There was something else behind it. Okay. Well, what's really behind this? Why does Dake feel this way? Not saying he should feel this way, not saying Kyle Dake has been wronged, but here is why yeah. Kyle Dake feels this way. The second match he lost in 2013, he, what he would have won by actual UWW rules, but the rules that mm. were in place and were known. This is why I've always, I throw that out because, okay, well, if Jordan Burroughs knew he was losing, 
you know what happens when Jordan Burroughs knows he's losing? Yeah. He sprints at you like yeah. a banshee for 30 seconds and he takes you down. Okay. <laughs> so one, that's that's that. And then I mean, I'm not trying to redo bad blood, but all these little things. He almost was the guy at Worlds in 2013. It would have been yeah. him. He would have meddled. And then that could have changed everything. Okay. And then uh-huh. he gets hurt and he's like, oh my gosh, now I'm out for a little bit. And then He's got to run the gauntlet again. And he's like, I've watched this guy's not doing anything. I have to beat Andrew Howe and David Taylor and all these guys back to back. That's not fair. So he's complaining about the process. Then he goes up. And this doesn't really have anything to do with it in terms of Jordan. But he goes up and he loses to Jaden Cox by very literally one foot. He was one foot away from getting the step out that would have put him on the Olympic team where Jaden Cox won bronze. So this guy has been so close with all... Jordan is the best wrestler in the world, pound for pound, dur- during this era, right? And sure. he is yeah. so close Agreed. to getting it. And then he goes up a weight, and he's just so close to making it on the team. It's just like all these little close things. And then in 2017, you know, Jordan's palming his eye and putting his thumb in his eye and all this craziness in a, in a horrible match where you're like, who, you know, you don't really feel like there was a real outright winner. It was a 2-2 criteria because Dake went on, yeah. the, on the clock twice. And then... You know, 2017, you go to the um, the one change call, totally shifted the dynamic in match two. He was up three. And a little bit is probably, man, I was so close in match two in 2017. I was up like three points in the second period, yeah. and I couldn't close the door. So a little bit is probably like his own frustration with his inability. to. But really, what's, what's the Jordan Burroughs story is the, the counterbalance is, well, Jordan just wins. And then he medals every single year, and he's proven yeah. he's the better guy. So yep. you can say that the reason it appears that way, I don't think it is actually biased. I think it is, if you're giving Dake's perspective, it is that. And what is Jordan Burroughs' perspective? I've won. I won within the rules. I'm, I follow the process and I win. And then I go to Worlds and every single year I come back with a medal except for one. And the one time, and we made mention of this, the time he didn't, um, the time he didn't medal in 2016, yeah. he entered the Open, and he did not win the Open. Dake did not win the Open. That was his opportunity to level the playing field, and he didn't. And I wish this got in the film. It probably could have. But Dake elected to go up to 79 the last two yeah. years. And, and we talked about this, but I, I think Sean and, and Cliff just didn't think it would fit in the film. But he went up to 79 last year, knowing that Jordan was going to make the team probably and probably sit out for the Olympics, knowing Dake would yeah. come down. So he chose that, right? But those are the little things that have built and built in, in Kyle Dake's head, I guess. And I could see why you would, would think that that is the case. Yeah. But certainly I'm not well, biased uh, either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I see that also. Um, the other thing I see, though, is just that, man, if you took Jordan Bros, if Jordan Bros didn't exist and you said Kyle Dake won this main tournament with the guys he had in them, he'd be like, damn, that was a, that was a tough day. That was a really hard day. Kyle Dake had a great day. And so, you know, part of it was obviously you had to kind of tell that story and that lifts you, that kind of leaves you feeling like, wow, that was a really good day by Kyle Dake, you know, a, a bunch of times. Yeah, it was a lot of good days, but he couldn't finish the days and has still not been able to finish finish the days against Jordan Burroughs. So, yeah. yeah, I can definitely, I definitely watched it and I, I thought, I was like, yeah. I mean, I, before it before it debuted, I was like, I, I see how this is probably going to be portrayed, but I think it's the only way. How, how do you balance it for Jordan, in your opinion? 
Uh, well, I thought. I mean, I thought. I thought the story was was balanced. You know, I th- I think the story is that Jordan just keeps winning and winning and winning, and um, I think that that's it, right? How, yeah. how that's that's just the reality. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like all these idiosyncrasies, all these little complicated things you have to explain for for Dake's thing. It's like, well, the rule and well, the um, the process, well, this, and then the only thing you could talk about for Jordan is he wins, and then he wins at yeah. Worlds. What yeah. else can you say? He beat him. He beat him. He yeah. beats him every time. No, yeah, I saw yeah, the. It, it, I saw those comments. Sorry, go ahead, about, Yeah, I saw the comments about bias, but and the other kind of theme I saw in a lot of the comments was like, "Well, Jordan seven and one. It's not really a rivalry." And I think that's the reason that it is a rivalry is all of these complexities. Like, is is how mm. you know how much depth there is to this story, and you have to tell all of that, you know, razor thin margin stuff that you know is is really telling how close Dake was, and I think that's that's necessary for it to be a good story. Otherwise you could just post their record and like be done with it. But yeah, we could have done that. That's why it is. Could have story. uploaded their matches, I guess, but <laughs> it wouldn't have been that interesting. <laughs> so yeah, but no, good question. Well, you also watched yeah. uh, Ben um, while we're talking about the films, I gave you the, the sneak peek at the Penn state. We are Kale's first decade episode one. Uh, any yeah. thoughts? I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, you look back at the beginning of the thing, which I, you know, I remember that time because I was, uh, well, obviously I've been a wrestling fan forever, but you know, I, I was paying very close attention. Uh, I remember Kale obviously starting Iowa State because Kale's first year Iowa State was my senior year of college. Um, and so, you, you know, I you kind of talked a little bit about him not being able to get over the hump at Iowa State and then how he left. And it was, it was kind of crazy. A few of the things that he said when he was leaving Iowa State about going to Penn State, which have just came to be so true. You know, uh, I think it was it Sleeping Giant, a gold mine, something like that. And it was just, yeah. So it was awesome kind of reliving that early time period. It was probably a nightmare for some other college coaches, but uh, I'm not a college coach. So it was kind of fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was funny. <laughs> um, nightmare for other college coaches, right? A, a uh, known wrestling coach texted me he's like great timing with the psu film i'm not penn state uh coach oh because it's uh, i'm like i was like what explain he's like think about it and i was like oh my gosh this is dropping two days after they can call um guys well you know what um yeah i was told we hated penn state so i'm i'm now confused but um yeah no we uh yeah maybe the timing's not great for other programs or coaches but whatever you'll You'll be but fine. Yeah. It's not hurting Virginia Tech. They landed Trey Kybe. Go Hokies. Um, so, but I'm I'm excited. Wednesday, I think seven Central, eight Eastern is when it'll debut. It'll go up. Uh, episode two is mostly done. Got to watch that yesterday. Nice. Pretty, ex- pretty excited about that one as well. Um, it's, yeah, what- it's funny you you talk about. Uh, I think some of the most interesting portions of it. With the Penn State film, you talk about what Kale's motivations to move and and, and what he says and mm. how many different times Kale's kind of called his shot. Suddenly, he's talking about the limitless potential of Penn State. He uses that phrase like yep. he's writing this. It's easy to say that now. No yeah. one was saying the limitless potential of Penn State wrestling until you know 2011, 2012. After Kale did it and realized it, and. Yeah. No one was no one was thinking, you know, they could do this again after the first four Pete. And then he calls his own shot, sitting the, all those guys in twenty fifteen. And 
does it again. So there's all these little instances where yeah. I think Kale has really proven to be, um, you know, ahead of the curve and kind of seeing seeing the the, the chessboard a lot better than yeah. basically everyone else. You know what was awesome was that uh, you had a bunch of East Stroudsburg footage of those guys. I, th- I think it was in the red- David Taylor's retro year. You had a bunch of B- Bubba Jenkins in there, and then obviously you, uh, the Bubba Jenkins David Taylor thing was in- interwoven. Obviously, I-, I was at Arizona State that year, uh, you know, so I got to see a lot of that. And you know, I think I thought you guys really told that story, uh, that part of the story, really well. You know, because you, you did tell from Bubba's perspective. Obviously, Kale wouldn't give you his total perspective on it because he won't let you interview him. Um, but I thought that that was a really good piece. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, I'm glad you thought that the Bubba dynamic is is really interesting. One thing, I think the one question I would ask and that I really want to know is like... You would only ask Kale one question? No, I got no. like 100. No, I yeah, I have hundreds too. But if if I have to pick one, and if it has to be about the Penn State film, I don't know if it's this one, but maybe it is. It's just my own curiosity. Is like, how was all right? Let's say Bubba is the model, everything, teammate, student athlete, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Where does he fit? Where does he go in yeah. the lineup? Yeah, because they had they had uh, that that year when the East Stroudsburg year. They had Kyler at 57, and Frank was at 49, okay? And Belmont was at 57. 65. I'm sorry, Belmont was 65, yeah. Right, okay, so he was redshirting that year. So where was he supposed to wrestle if he was, you know, he made himself ineligible, right? So he couldn't wrestle that year, right? Well, he beat David, though. I mean, uh, his contention was that he was better than David, and David was going to be on the bench. That was his contention. Well, in the interview, Bubba says, I wanted to go 49. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Oh, huh. so would okay. w- well, would he have been given that? I, you know what what would have happened because you got Frank Molinaro yeah. there, and Frank Molinaro eventually went NCAs, and that year got second at NCAs at one forty nine. So I, I, I'm yeah. just I'm really curious how they were planning on using Bubba, right? Frank Frank well, did spend uh, a year at forty one, right? I wonder if he yeah, thought but, Frank. I mean, yeah, I don't. No. Yeah, Frank was too big, but I wonder if Bubba is like, hey, why don't you do it again? All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I guess I mean, I, 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 from what I gather, Bubba and Frank were not friendly. I actually don't remember. No. They didn't they wrestle a match in Aegon. They cannot or stand. E- they absolutely they hate each other. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. They, they do. Where did they wrestle? Was it Aegon or was it somewhere else? Some, yeah, Some something in thing. New York. Yeah. yeah, one of the many failed out. pro experiments in. Uh, in Damn wrestling. it all! Yeah, um, <laughs> one of thousand. Yeah, so one of thousands. Uh, yeah, so I mean that was I think he I think Bubba thinks he would have beat out Frank also. I'm pretty sure he's fairly confident in that in that sentiment. Um and so you you know just as in, uh, you know I don't know Kill really well. So I can't speak to this. Um but it's kind of like Lance Armstrong and his overcompetitiveness like do did Kale get rid of Bubba to make room for Frank and David cuz if you if you put the odds on it Bubba's the favorite for both those guys, either of those spots. He's the favorite. And then it's like the Andrew Long thing, which you guys brought up. You know, did Kale bring in Andrew Long because he needed Andrew Long to win? You know, a lot of people say that as a negative. I, I don't know. I don't Maybe did Kale, maybe Kale is, I don't want to say humanitarian. That, that, that sounds kind of like I'm making fun of him. Um, not a humanitarian, but, you know, maybe he actually cared about Andrew Long and says, I want to see Andrew Long get his life back on track. That's why I'm bringing him here. Obviously, it didn't play out, but some people throw it. I'm like, oh, he knew Andrew Long was going to get in trouble. And he just brought him in just to, just to win that title. 
You know, and I don't necessarily know that's the case, but if you want to play devil's advocate, you could definitely assert those two things. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's one. There, I think it's always somewhere in the middle. I mean, you have to be naive. Yeah, to think of course. He would, if if Andrew Long, if it, was a scru- if it was a scrubby kid who was doing that, there's no chance. Yeah, so no chance. Yeah. You know, and, and you see programs do this all the time. You roll the mm-hmm. dice. Montel Marion's really good. Okay, he's permanently suspended. Well, we he would really help at 141 this year. So the guy's coming back. Andrew Long, yeah, kind of. Maybe we can help him out. Maybe he'll do better if he's here. We'll see. But certainly he's going to help us, and that's the main reason you bring someone like that in, right? Yeah. And yeah, you know, I I think without getting into particulars, um, because they're, they're you know these are people with with issues, but I think Penn State has a a, a good track record of trying to help kids that are having a really, really hard time with off-the-mat stuff. And I think they've, in some instances, gone above and beyond. So I like to give the benefit of the doubt in general for people's motives. Mm -hmm. And I think it's somewhere in between. And, yeah, yeah, they brought him in. And, yeah, they don't win NCAAs probably without Andrew Long. However, um, you know, I don't think that's their, their only motivation. Yeah, I would also say it's somewhere in the middle. I, I would say just from the vibe I get and the people I talk to, Kale is a genuinely good human being, um, really great guy. But at the same time, he's also highly competitive, right? So he probably has those two things, you know, fighting on his shoulders all the time about, about what he should do and what decisions you should make. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, Wednesday. It's coming out. Um, Bray was instrumentally involved in this so uh yeah i'm sure you're you're excited to see other yeah. people see it i'm excited yeah i'm yeah it was good to hear you talk about that bubba jenkins part that was one of the parts that was really i think hard for us to get right we kind of went back to that a couple times to mm. make sure we were saying you know enough things from both perspectives so ho- hopefully that uh that's part that people will like i i think it's great excited yeah yeah i loved it they nailed it i was smiling the whole time it was it was a blast to to watch and do and see it come together so excited for that. I think you guys are going to dig it like you du- dug Bad Blood. Um, yes. Hey, hey. I, 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 got, I got another question for you, Christian, okay. about, about, about this Penn State thing. So, you know, obviously, like, uh, everyone likes to hate winners, right? That they do. Um, so, like, the Penn State group, is they're just, they're just so uh, – they're so fun, right? They have a unique wrestling style. They're fun to watch. Like – what do you think people would say? I don't like Penn State because, right? Mm. Besides the fact that they win so much, and I don't want to see them win so much. What What would they say about Penn State? Um, you know, like Iowa. Iowa kind of always leaned into yes. uh, they hate us, so we're going to hate them type of mentality. So they were probably really, really easy to hate. They 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 don't do that nearly as much anymore. But what would you say about Penn State? I don't know. Um, what would it be? I don't know. I was thinking about it. I couldn't think of a good one. It's like the 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 little all shucks G Wizzy. Like, you know, just they're so um it's almost like they're so clean cut and so proper and they oh. say the right things. They're so like I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Would that be think, just a, 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 je- a jealousy thing see. also? Well there's of course there's jealousy. Any any power yeah. that's went who Every dynasty is is hated. I'm certain they are. And you look for little yeah. things. I, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. There there was always some weird, like a lot of people didn't like 
Mark and Bo, and I kind of never really understood that, right? Especially Mark. Um, Bo's, that's what we do. I could see that people being like, <laughs> yeah. oh, gosh, give me a break. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's something about like the way that people talk about um, professional sports teams that have just massive salaries compared to other, other programs. Like people oh, talk about, there you State, go. Like, That's a good one. You know, they're like, they're, they're, it's like the rich get richer. Every time you see uh, somebody commit to Penn state, people kind of say something like that. These guys they just get every, every recruit, that kind of thing. I don't know. Oh, I wonder if it's the feeling, the feeling of as a wrestling fan that, my team won't be able to get on top because of this, right? And we'll mm-hmm. never get on top. Yeah. And but you know what? That was kind of one they didn't win in 2015, and there was very unlikely they were going to win this year. Although Vincenzo Joseph says they would have won, which was which was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think me and the Penn State wrestlers were probably the only ones still giving them a shot going into 2020 NCAA's, and we'll never know now. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, that was kind of proven to not necessarily be the case, but it's like, man, is it ever going to end kind of thing? I, know, I can understand that feeling. Yeah. But everything comes to an end, right? Nothing's everything. forever. Kale. Well, who knows? Kale might just be the guy who's able to live forever. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. He made the world team after seven years off or whatever. Who's, who's to say? I think every, man, I was going to say every seven years he should come back, but he's already missed that window. Yeah, 2018. 2011. 2018. Mm-hmm. All right, well, he could come back now. It'd be fine. 2021. I mean, Kale could easily coach for another 20 years. No problem, yeah. probably. He's like exactly really 40. Yeah. 40? Yeah. Coachly 60. Yeah. I mean, that's he, totally. that's, yeah, that'd be what, 30? Because he started in 2010 at Penn State, correct? Yep. Yep. 29. Okay. 30 years. How many, yeah, did he have, how many years did he have at Iowa State before that? Three? Three. Yeah. Three, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's at like 14 years into his coaching career. Who who knows the toll this takes on him? You know, think about the the yeah. toll it took on Gable. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you've got you've got to coach in a way that is sustainable for 20, 30 years. Which, you know, if you do it at Gable's pace with recruiting and wrestling and all that stuff, it's not sustainable. So yeah, Gable yeah. will probably have to make the appropriate choices and he probably is, but who knows? Yeah. Abel, yeah, yeah. Abel's, yeah. His intensity was just like, just physically the way that he treated his body during that time too, I think was unsustainable. Like he, he talked about, he was on Bader show not long ago and he talked about coaching one year from a hospital bed. He's like had surgery and he's like calling into practices and like, you know, I mean, he's just like, can't get away. He's just so, he's so obsessed. And, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. Kale seems very healthy physically. He's not like getting body parts replaced, and I don't. Know. He seems like he's yeah going to go for a long I time. I mean, he's still wrestling a bunch. Yeah, what, what, what do you got against people that got to get body parts replaced, Ray? <laughs> well, <Dip. laughs> no, yeah. I, you know it's fine. You got to get them replaced yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got you good use. Listen, you had several lifetimes of work out of your hips. I would say. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's sad. sad. Man, I watched. All right, honestly, watching <laughs> like, the funk. I watched the funk with my my parents. It's funny. It's funny. So like, they're like, so what? Who's been? They don't. They don't really know wrestling that well. So who's been? He's cool. He's great. I was like, and I don't think they realized like your accolades or accomplishments. I was like, he's like one of the greatest ever. Like he's an Olympian. So I was like, you need to watch the funk. So we watched 
we watched the film really recently when my parents were in town. And so they, they're like, oh, they had no idea. Because you, you don't come off like, you know, you, you come off like yes. a very, very normal person. Normal. Right? You don't come off. There's no air of, of uh, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but, but the point I'm, I'm making here is there is a, a B-roll clip of you competing. And there's one scenario. I don't, it's not you're in a cradle, but your foot is literally in the most precarious position. I'll try to find the screenshot, Ben. It is, it is like alarmingly out of where you think a human body should, should move. I'll send you that. Know you know the one that freaks me out that a lot of guys are doing? I just and I just watched Vito Arugia do this. You guys put up a video of him wrestling with. I don't recall who he's wrestling with at this point, but Yain does a lot, where they have their foot and their foot is in midair and they start and they they flip their hip over, you know? That looks uh it was just a uh, you know what it was a video of Zane Richards and a bunch of those guys have started doing it a significant amount and that like I'm like, oh you son of a guns are gonna need a new hip in twenty years. Stop doing that to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, just the, yeah. the way they move. The way they move it is, uh, it's kind of freaky. Do you, do you know which video I'm talking about? You probably can't watch all the full I videos. I haven't watched it yet. No, but I, okay. I'm glad. What we should mention that Mike and uh, Nomad are back in Oklahoma shooting some stuff. Vito Vogar there, Zane Richards, as you mentioned, are are in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. So they're getting some more wrestling training for for you guys. So so get excited about that. And I'm yeah. gonna find I'm gonna find the screenshot of that uh, of you. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, you're. Gonna, I don't know what situation. Yeah, it it looks like, it wasn't like a big match or anything. It looked like just random okay. um, footage. All right, so where do we go next? We there's a there's a lot of like little little bits and pieces newses yeah. newses. That's the word. Well, there's that the thing that I'm 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 gonna stay silent on, but you guys can debate all you want. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. You have to you have to abstain, uh, unfortunately. Abstain. But no, um, Seth Gross in at Wisconsin, which means Matt McDonough out at Wisconsin. And one of the FRL questions was, was this about Seth Gross taking the assistant coach job? Where do you see uh, McDonough landing? Was he forced out to make room for Gross? Um, I would say, yeah. I mean, I would say that was the reason. The main, In my opinion, that's the main reason it happened is You've got Seth Gross. You've got this guy that's, um, you know, what he's accomplished, what he's accomplished with and for Bono. Um, you could see why he would want to do that, right? And I I think that was – I think ultimately the writing has been on the wall there, and that's probably why why it happened. Um, maybe McDonough wasn't the, the exact fit they were looking for, but, you know, you, you look at – Bono and you know he took a chance on on Gross at South Dakota State mm-hmm. and then he won there and followed him to Wisconsin so Gross had been very loyal to him as well and he wants to start his coaching career and do you want this guy who won you have a great working relationship with do you want him to get out the door and go coaching elsewhere and look to train elsewhere that would be that would be probably bad if he lands at a rival. He goes to another Big Ten school. You think? Do you think Wisconsin is the only school that would want Seth Gross on their coaching staff? No way. So, no. ultimately, I think the idea of bringing Gr- Gross on is the precipitant here. That's my opinion. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my thought. It's like, all right, we're going to get Gross in, and to do that, you know, McDonough's McDonough's out. What's next for McDonough? I don't know. Like 
like Seth, I think he's a he's a a, a great coaching prospect, and yeah, he'll do a great I, job. I can tell you that he he's not he's not really sure what he's doing yet. I, I mean, I've, I've made friends with Matt and talked to him not not all the time, but fairly regularly, and he's he's not sure where he's going yet. Yeah. Okay. So he doesn't know what he's doing, but um, whatever it does, I'm sure he'll do great at it. And these are just things, you know, things like this happen in programs. It's not necessarily, uh, it's not bad that Coach Bono did this. It's not a black mark in my mind that McDonough's out there. Like these these things happen, and you make room. This this happened similarly with Molinero at Penn State. They're like, hey, Varner's coming on staff. Frank was on staff. Now you're not on staff kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you, you make the moves based on what you think is going to be best for the program long term. Um, but while while I'm while we're on this topic, someone so I had two separate questions about the gross McDonough Wisconsin thing. Yeah. And Ben, you probably won't even want to answer this one, but you could just speak more broadly uh, about okay. like the 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 idea of like too much commonality and groupthink with the same exact people. It's like You've got – this was something that was often mentioned about Iowa is it had only Iowa guys coaching there, yeah. right? And do you need that diversity of thought to to make it happen? Now, you look at Penn State. You've got basically State, yeah. a very tight staff. Now, Casey Cunningham went to CMU, but he's been with Kale since the Iowa State days. And then you've got mm-hmm. Cody and you've got Varner. So if you're going to say that about Iowa, you could equally say that about – um, Penn State at this point and now Wisconsin. But is there how, – how do you trade off or how do you balance the idea of, okay, we need some diversity of thought, but also we need um, people that you know where they're coming from and you know you can trust and how well you can work with them? Yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think you outlined it perfectly. I think you need to balance – I think you I think you need to balance those two things, right? Um you can't have all one way and you can't have all the other way because too many dissenting opinions is going to, is going to cause a whole bunch of issues, right? If one guy is telling a wrestler, Hey, do this single leg this way. And the other guy's telling him, no, 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 that guy's an idiot. Do it this way. Right. That's going to be a huge issue. Um, and so obviously you got, you have to have guys who got each other's back and they, they agree on things generally speaking, but you do, I, I would say I, I highly value the diversity of thought. I like getting other opinions. I mean, for, for me, uh, I still watch a lot of international wrestling because I want to see what they're doing, right? I don't want to – I could never stand coaches that just relied on, on their own experience. Um, so this is what I did. You guys are going to do this. I could never stand that, right? And so I try to watch all kinds of international wrestling to stay up on what the latest things are, what is happening, where the technique evolution is happening, and be humble enough to go into a practice and say, Guy, listen, guys, this is what they're doing. I never been taught this. I don't know exactly how they're doing it. This is kind of what I think is happening, but go out there and, and figure it out, you know, that that type of thing. So, yeah, I think the balance of those two things is is very very important. Awesome. Uh yeah. You you know a place that has real diverse uh, uh very diverse coaching staff in terms of like schools and wrestling styles is Arizona State. You got mm, Molinero, yeah. Perry, Zeke Jones, Lee Pritz. That's a very very diverse group. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see how they make that work. And, and then obviously the other thing you don't want there is you don't want, you know, and they just had it, but you don't want too much turnover because you have too much turnover, then kids can never get used to that that certain feel. So you want, you know, I think something staying the same over the course of time. Also, as I'm watching um, 
the funk looking for this instance. I'm I found evidence of something that I think Ben Askren said he didn't do. He appears Uh-oh, to be hitting it? a tight waist tilt. <laughs> I didn't probably didn't score any points. Uh, you might you might have got a quick two count there, but it looks like <laughs> I don't think was... so. I don't think I ever scored on a tilt. Man, okay. Well, we'll 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 just we'll get all we'll pull all There's the footage. A, a one count. Yeah, yeah. It looked like maybe a one count, but it looked like the chop, the deep waist. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, maybe you're a tilter after all. Yeah. So I you know I think so, and and then they then with the the gross thing, you know, it's it's a. It's a factor of, is it going to be effective, right? Is this, and this is like, you know, anything, anything we see, it's a homogeneous coaching staff, you know, where they're all kind of came through the same system. Like, is that going to be effective or do you need to go find someone else to bring someone else in? And, you know, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not the case. And, you know, I guess we'll just wait and see because it's, it's uh, day one. So you don't know yet. Don't they have another, couldn't they have another spot? I feel like, shouldn't they have a volunteer? Yeah. They they do not have anyone in the volunteer position. They just had announced Johnny Sebastian as the uh, assistant at the Wisconsin RTC. Okay, so they're keeping him around. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how big a factor it is. One that Seth Gross is competing, and then I also wonder how the coaching piece will impact his his competition moving forward. It seems like it's going to be. I mean, that seems like it'd be hard, especially getting down to fifty seven. And um, I don't know. I yeah, wonder how it's going to go. Yeah, that's why I, I actually didn't, you know, just kind of from the outside, I don't take part in these decisions with them. I don't talk to them about them. I, I thought Gross would want to kind of stay off the coaching staff maybe for a little bit and, and have that time to himself to compete, especially with the Olympics being pushed back a year. But, um, you know, that that's not what happened. And, yeah, I got to assume that's going to be tough for Gross to both be an active competitor and be, you know, on the coaching staff, which because you know, being on the coaching staff and being in the RTC are two totally different things, right? On the coaching staff, you're going to be – Probably expected to show up at meetings, to make recruiting calls, to do visits, to show competitions, to do all these things that most RTC people do not have to do. He he may have been really interested in coaching for for a while. I know we talked to him right after NCAA's got canceled, and we asked we were asking people, "What's the you know? What, would you come back if you were offered another year?" And he was like, "No, I'm done." So I, I wonder if coaching has been on his yeah. mind for a while. I wonder if he's like, "No, and after this year, that's what I want to do." Um, yeah. It's, Something that made me made me think. I don't know what you guys. Uh, I'm curious to hear which take take will be. Well, I got an email confirming that there are in fact people appealing um, the NCAA decision to not give more eligibility, and it seems it seems like there's a significant contingent of people appealing that. Well, what if there were se- seniors like okay, say let's say Luke Pletcher, which I don't know if he's in on the appeal or not, right? But what if he got like an RTC job or a coaching job? Or like Mark Hall got signed to the Penn RTC, and then all of a sudden he gets his eligibility back. The, then you know he he will have taken pay, which is g- generally illegal for uh, an NCAA eligible athlete. But you said he was out of eligibility, so can he get the job? And then can he go back to having eligibility? Or once they get a job, are they going to say no? You already got a job, you're out. Like how's that going to work? Well, I think um, there have been instances instances with. With this where guys have like had to pay back or or whatever so maybe it would be that would be weird be really weird um that would well, be so w- weird. one yeah i think i think some of these mark hall and luke pletcher are guys that would not come back i mean pletcher's on staff at pittsburgh now he's not gonna go back to ohio state and wrestle what, what if, if he what goes if he wrestled for what? Pitt? <laughs> coach player a coach player <laughs> why not it's time wrestling had a had a player coach that'd be great yeah. why not um yeah, but no, I don't. I don't think he would fit that. 
But yeah, you're right, Ben. I mean, what it does raise a lot of questions. My my thought are thought is that the people that are applying for the years right now are mostly not seniors. They're guys that want to yeah. Um, they just want their year, right? Like Aaron Brooks, Spencer Lee. But don't you think there's got to be some seniors? You know, like, I mean, I I actually would say, you know, besides the guys who maybe have a shot at four-timers, which is uh, few and far between, I feel most for the seniors. The the Luke Pletcher who didn't get a shot to win the title or the Colin Moore, you know, those type of guys. Yeah. I mean, Seth Gross, you actually feel a little less bad for because he already won a title, right? These other guys who don't have a title or don't have an All-American, right? They never All-American, and it's their senior year, and they were looking really good, um, you know? don't you feel for them kind of almost more than anybody else? Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. But I, I also think like they're not going to, I don't know, just be in a holding pattern for their, for their life to get another yeah. year. They're ready to, ready to move on. Sure. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. That's, that's probably more, I guess the underclassmen, because they're going to be there no matter what, probably have more time for this appeal than a senior would. I mean, the senior is going to be put, essentially putting his life on hold. Right, and, and while we're while we're talking about the 2020 NCAs that wasn't, there was a FRL question I, f- I find pertinent. If Ben had to choose between 2020 NCAs getting rescheduled for August and never eating ice cream again, which would he choose? Oh my gosh! Why would you people do that to me? <laughs> okay, I got, I got, I got. Oh, I got wow, it's gonna, a thought. I love that. This no, is a here's a. I'm gonna do this. NCAs will be scheduled for August, and I'll only eat custard. What's up? Custard. I got a Roger question. <laughs> He's a custard guy. So, okay. Do you, does, do you know the difference between ice cream and custard, Christian? Because I had to look it up because I was like, what's up with this custard stuff that's all over Wisconsin? Why is it different? Hmm. I don't know. Something about the milk they use? What is it? The, they put eggs in there. So you get a little more protein. I love it. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds right. Well, now, okay. Now, here's here's the thing. I, I want to throw out Froyo. It's too close to me. It's almost a. Well, I said custard. Bit. I'm taking. I'm taking custard. I know. Are you taking but, all, all, but taking all frozen. You frozen get. You keep there. custard. You keep custard. I'm not sure what custard is, but you don't get frozen yogurt. You can't go to those places and make. You know, put the Oreos and the gummy yeah, yeah, bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably who knows what you put in yours. Um, but yeah, I'll, frozen I'll, yogurt's I'll, in the ice cream bucket as well. I, have you had frozen custard? No. Oh man, it's it's just. I mean, hell. probably yeah. Sure, I'm it's sure. It's like incredibly have. rich no. ice cream. It's yeah. No, you never had it, Piles. <laughs> tell, tell him, Bray. You've never had custard. I'm sure I have. But it, but I would say Where? custard and ice cream are. Who knows that the custard shop? The custard town. shop. The custard and ice cream are are way closer to each other than than yogurt and ice cream. Oh man, they're way closer. I think we got to. I think. Now here's a question: Does custard fall under the ice cream umbrella? It very well may. <sighs> well, they they should have said right, anything that's frozen, both frozen this. and delicious, or something like that. No, because like you know, a, a snow cone would not apply. A slushy, a smoothie, I would mm. not. I would not involve those. Okay, so I'd say sure. snow cones, frozen dairy products. Yes. <laughs> so if you have to throw out custard, froyo, and ice cream for the le- rest of your life for 2020 NCAs, would you do it? Oh God! You can have pudding. That would be. You know what? 2020 NCAs being scheduled will make me a healthier human being. So let's go for it. Boom! Wow. He really yeah. did it. And I like that. You know what I like about this, Ben, is that you didn't immediately, like, come on, take the virtuous choice, right? Yeah. It's very easy because this is totally a fake thing. You could have said, <laughs> oh, 2020 didn't say easy. Wow, Ben really loves wrestling. You really thought about the actual choice and what you were giving. Yeah. Up. I appreciate it. Yeah. That. 
I'm sad to give up ice cream, but I did it. Yeah, I, I think did you, it. I think you should probably do for it you. now. Just for, <laughs> just do it for this lifetime, and uh, you know. Let uh, All right. Yeah. So the uh, there was quite a quite a, I guess the last week or really since. The Carrie McCoy to Stanford or the California RTC happens sometimes when we were doing FRL. I don't know if we got to talk about that at this point. We didn't. Who who was the California RTC prior to that? Because I I didn't. He even... asked that too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they had somebody. I I know that Nate Engel was in the volunteer spot and he was also working with a lot of the RTC athletes. But I don't. I don't remember them having somebody in that spot. I don't either. But you have to like what hmm. Stanford's doing. Um, the recruiting well. Great coaching yeah. staff. They had uh, Kerry McCoy, who's instant, you know, difference maker on the international level. And plus, I mean, you've got a, a Division One head coach in in a in a supporting role there. I think he's he's going to be a, a good resource for uh, Coach Borelli and company. Um, now, was Kerry at Stanford at one point in his yeah. career? I thought he was. He was yeah. the head coach there, right? Okay, I knew he was I'm there. Pretty I sure he was the head coach. He, yeah. So we went from there to. Maryland. After I want to say he was the Olympic coach in 2008, and I want to say he wasn't there very much because he just took the job at Stanford, and he was like moving and whatnot. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, he, he was. He was uh, head coach. Head coach at Stanford. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, 2005. Eight. So no, he was moving out of Stanford in 2008. So where did he go? He went to Maryland, right? That. Oh, was it that? Yeah, I guess it was around that time. Coach Santoro went to Lehigh, and yeah, because yeah. Hudson Taylor was he had both, he had both he had Coach Santoro and Coach Coach McCoy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so he was moving to Mar- he was moving to Maryland in two thousand eight. Wow, that doesn't now now I feel old because that didn't seem like that long ago that Kerry went to Maryland. We're getting old, Ben. There's nothing we can think it. about it. Either. Son of a gun. You're you're the first one to get a hip replacement of of my uh, my friend group. I gotta admit. <laughs> you know who the. Uh, the greatest Maryland wrestler of all time, though, is Headlock Sheptock. I'm reading this article, and they literally on Wikipedia says Jimmy Headlock Sheptock. Thank, yeah. thank you, Robin Ficker. Robin Ficker, that's an influencer, man. He he really was. I mean, this guy was notorious for uh, heckling MJ. I, listen, Spade's been trying to get some Wikipedia entries changed, and it's not it's it's not a gimme. It's it's hard to do. So for Ficker to get uh, Headlock Sheptock written in stone there on Wikipedia, that's he's an influencer. He really is. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen him as much recently. So yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you guys should do uh, a full film on Robin Ficker. <laughs> oh no, I don't know about all that. Uh, maybe a few other people first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there's some other people in line there. But you know what? Um, Ficker, Ficker's on the depth chart there. Uh, uh, a lot of people asking about the Citadel. I know it's the next on the list. A lot of people asking about the Citadel job. Um. Hey, my, my question is to you is, did they, it's a military academy, so it's it's free college, right? Or no? No, I don't. It's not a service academy like Air Force, Army, Navy. It's okay. like VMI. Um, so, no, I think you'd have to pay to go there. Um, okay. But it's like a, it is like a service academy. So, Ray is looking up the tuition and fees. So, I'm curious. For Citadel. But the fact that there is well, some. Yeah, there, there are. Um, about thirty thousand a year, so that's that's, that's actually not not, not terrible, terrible compared to some places. That's I can't that's believe actually, that that's not terrible now. That hold, on, so terrible. hold on, hold on, Christian, you got kids. You better start saving. No, they better get smart. 
That's that's <laughs> that's in state actually. Out of state. Uh, oh jeez. But they oh. have di- they have different tuition rates for freshmen, and then it price goes actually down as a sophomore, junior, and senior. Which well, is, just, which is just interesting. Transfer as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. that's good. There you Little, go. Uh, so yeah, Rob Sherling. Uh, I, th- I don't, yeah, the yeah. HJ always threw me off. Um, which HJ's out? But, but um, man, you you look at the they had some great seasons at Citadel. Um, I think it was twenty. They had some tw- top twenty five finishes. They had a handful of All Americans, but the last few years have been pretty rough there. And so Coach Sterling is out. I know I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. Um, but a lot of questions on who could step in, who's a good fit there. I'm not really sure, but uh, it's a place where it's it's shown you can win, you can have good teams. Mm-hmm. I think the Citadel is a solid solid draw. It's a good school, so I I think this could be a a, a good thing for the program. They they recruited Mongolia really well. <laughs> yes, they did. For they had Ugi, yes, they, they had Turtatog. Um, Lovesendorsch, who mm-hmm. weirdly I can say eat more easily than uh, Coach Jerry. Yeah, that, that was that was quite impressive, Christian. Well, how you nailed that name. It's actually a little easier, but uh, anyway, I, I think that's uh, you know I don't know what what the precipitant for that decision is. You would assume it was their down performances relative to what they've had, and um, I hope that it's a signal that the Citadel really wants to win. Yeah, uh, who, who Oogie. That was, that was that was a fun guy to watch right there. Dude, he was a he was wild. He would do everything. Yeah, yes, yeah, everything. Was it, was it Reno Reno TOC that year? He he had Mangrum in the finals, and it just was like you know they're just flying all over the mat the whole time. Yeah, he was that guy's great. So, um, that's that. As we move on down the news, Mark Hall to the Pennsylvania RTC. Which is mm-hmm. a, a great get for them. Something I think we discussed, oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. I think Nomad yeah. mentioned that he thought that was going to happen, and ultimately, Mark Hall reunited with with Coach Slay. I think the plan mm-hmm. is Mark, Mark graduates in December from Penn State, and then oh really? Yes. Oh, so, I didn't know that. So he'll remain there till then, I believe, is my understanding, and then okay, move to Philly and begin to. Uh, work to make the 2021 team at 86 kilograms. And I think, you know, the weight for Mark Hall is often like one of the first things you talk about internationally is he had so much success. Wait, eight, 86, he's going up? Yeah, dude. He he said dude. in like 20, he said, I will never make 74 again. I think after he won uh, Junior Worlds the second time, he's like, I'm never doing this again. Like, I can't do it. I know he said that, but that was probably like right after he had a really hard weight cut. And I, I always figured he'd walk that one back because – I, I don't know. After he, he won he, Junior Worlds. He's got to be feeling pretty he, good. Well, Bob saying the weight cut was probably really terrible, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes when you're young, you're not quite as disciplined. I know that that would be the case with me. Um, yeah, man, it seems when I think about him versus some of the other 86s, he just seems really small. So he, may, maybe he, I guess he'll wrestle 79 in the off years. Maybe, and I think that's probably what what they're alluding to. Is that they'll re- reevaluate after there. Um, First, I think he's never – I'm just saying this. I don't know if it's true, but I would assume he's never really tried to build his body up to be a full 86. So, one, how yeah. much bigger could he get? Um, but he's kind I of mean, short, isn't he? He's only like 5'10", five, five, yeah, maybe? Not, he's not tall. He's not tall. But, um, okay. you know, get a little bigger. 
he has a he has a great freestyle game. He's so yep. good in parterre. He's ridiculous parterre. He's good upper mm-hmm. body. He's got great counters. So I think he has a good style for freestyle. Now, I, I you know I didn't think David Taylor would be a full size eighty six, and Kyle Dake almost made a team weighing one hundred seventy seven pounds. Now this is Kyle Dake, so it's like you have to throw it out completely. But yes. um, you know I I give some credit there, right? Uh, that yeah, it's been proven mm-hmm. it can be done. Now it's with a two time world champion Dake. But man, you consider Mark Hall's pedigree when he came out, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty unique, pretty special. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see him as a, as a top five guy at eighty six, but I think he's you know, like I said, I feel like he's really small and 70, 79, I could see him. Do you think Deringel will go back to seventy nine, or do you think Deringel will stay up at eighty six now? I don't know. And I, same question was Zahid. Both of them. Zahid should. I mean, my opinion is go go up. Be up. Be at the the Olympic weight. I think ringer to come down and yo-yo your weight, I think that's really tough. Um, yeah. But what if it is can't get that big? Like, you know, for, for just for myself. I could never get to, say, 195 without being sli- slightly uh, overweight. Like It would be, be impossible, right? Um, and so it's like, okay – I I would I won't say it'd be forced, but it wouldn't be all that hard for me to for me to make seventy nine kg, um, right, and wrestle there and then go up because listen, I'm only going to be say right if I'm full like as like lean if I'm working out really hard, I'm going to be maybe maximum one eighty eight, something like that, right, one eighty seven, one eighty five, so somewhere in there. That's going to be my ma- the the biggest I can get while still being lean. So. You know, from there, well, I, I miss a few meals and I sweat a little bit, and then I make seventy nine kg. You see what I'm saying? And I yeah. don't know, I don't know that those guys are the same size as me, but I'm saying for me, I could have never got to two hundred pounds without being fat. It's it's impossible. My body does not get there. Mm. Well, I mean, maybe that's you, you can. That's just with, me. I'm not saying they're the exact same. Yeah, I, I mean, we could do steroids. I didn't do steroids, Christian. <laughs> I didn't try those. I could have tried those. That might have assisted. Um, I don't know. You, who knows how big he could have gotten? I mean, how how I could have I'm with a different you. weight. Well, who knows? Did you did you experiment with every kind of weightlifting, weight training, and, and diet? You don't know. Not steroids. Not steroids. I didn't. Steroids, I didn't though. say steroids. Um, I'm glad you never. I did mean, in, in the summers, in the summers during college, uh, every summer. Uh, so there's four four summers right between every for every next year. Uh, I wrestled 84 kg every summer. Um, and I, I loved eating and I loved lifting. And I could tell you, I didn't ever, ever get above 185 ish without, you know, being kind of lean, right? I got above there and I got chunky, uh, but that was it. And so it's like my body capped out around, around that size. And I was lifting very heavy. I was eating a lot. Um, and I just, I just couldn't get that big. Yeah, maybe you maybe you take a good pre workout like Monster or an you know, <laughs> Oh my <or> god. <laughs> That could have been the difference. Who knows? Who knows what wow. little decision could have turned you into okay. a Hulkamaniac. So gu- gun to your head. What uh, what weight are those two going? Are they staying at 86 or are they going down to 79? Uh, I think Zahid. After 2021. I think Zahid will build up into a to an 86. I think Ringer will stay up there too. Really? Okay. I, I'm more likely to think Ringer will go back down. He just he doesn't seem – I don't know. He is pretty big right now, but – well, I heard he he was going to do some wrestling at 92. What? What? 
Hold on. Didn't that happen? That was discussed Did at some Alex point. Alex Derringer competed at 92 kilograms? No, I don't think he competed. I, um, I don't man, think so. I, I, I don't recall that. Some, some, I'm going to hit up the Slack. Someone will help me out here. Um, okay. Um, well, let me let me ask you this. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compound this question, Christian. Um, if Dake or Burroughs, okay, they're going to wrestle at 74 kg in 2 to 2021. Um, if one of them either retire or choose not to go back to 79, right? There is a possibility, say, Burroughs beats him, Dake goes back to 79 for 2022 Worlds. If that does not happen, if, if they either both of them stay at 74 or one of them retires, does that then make one of those other guys? Because then one of those other guys, the guys I named, Mark Hall, Valencia, or Deringer, would probably be the favorite at 79 kg at that point, correct? Yes. Yes, they would. I mean, yeah. So it's probably the heat. If so you maybe make, they do go down. Yeah, if you can make the world team, right? That's probably the bet you want to make. Yeah. Um, so maybe Ringer does. Make, I know Zahid is not all that big, right? Um, yeah. So it's it's going to take some work. I feel like he has the frame to get a little bigger, more yeah. so than... Mark. Know. Mark's shorter, so I, I feel like he would struggle to get, you know, say up to 200 pounds. I feel like he would struggle to get there. But, you know, who knows? I could be wrong. Got it. Um all right, so yeah. that well, da- David. Wait, da- sorry, David wrestling past twenty twenty one, correct? Oh yeah. Oh, oh wow, you said that really confidently. I, I think he's openly discussed how, how that he's going to continue wrestling. Beyond forever, that. like forever. Kale, dude. He loves wrestling. Um, <laughs> Did he talk to Kyle Dake, and is he getting younger? <laughs> Ooh, we hope it'd be great. Kyle should spread that uh, spread that to people beyond. Uh, just, just himself. But, I don't know. Okay. It's cra- it, but with, with the Mark Hall thing too, it is crazy the moves that PRTC has made this off season. When it's been, you know, not very many other programs have mm-hmm. added multiple people. They've added now Mark Hall, McFadden, Ben Honus, and uh, yeah. and they have they have like good support in place both at Penn and then and and you know I think Drexel too, and then also at the PRTC and where other wrestling programs the NCAA level are, are really suffering or they're being cut or they're wondering if they're going to be cut Penn And then I think Drexel and PRTC are seem very strong right now. And um, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, I kind of think that move that they made to hire Slay all those years ago is now finally paying off. And, and it'd be cool to see somebody from that RTC make a world. Team. I remember now ringer at 92. Alex Daringer what? was originally scheduled to compete at the Pan American Championships at 92 kilograms. What? How, late... do I, how do I remember that? Huh? He did. How do we not remember that? Because a late weight change was announced and the Cowboy dropped to the Olympic weight of 86 to replace Pat Downey, who was in, originally announced as the rep. So I am what, not can, Did Canada not allow Downey in there because he's a jabroni <laughs> or what, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Okay. Um, well, if, if, if we, I was Canada, I'd keep him out. <laughs> if, if Ringer could, if, if Ringer could at the last minute drop to eighty six, then I, I, I bet he wasn't like trying to re- make right, ninety two. Right. They just were going to slide him in. Yeah, this is probably something like that. But Ringer ninety two was a thing. I am not crazy. Um, at least this is not evidence of me being crazy. <laughs> I remembered it properly. Okay. So that's great. And I know Mark um, has has plans of working. With the inner city kids that beat the streets, Philly, I think that's mm-hmm. awesome too, and I think that's also yeah. a big 
part of the draw to him to the Pennsylvania RTC. So it's not just the wrestling opportunities and working with Coach Slay again, but also um, I think Mark has a real heart for helping people. And so that will be a great uh, great storyline to follow for, for Mark. So wish him well, but he's got to hit the books apparently. He's not done with school yet. Dang. Yeah, Bray, Bray, that is serious though. Penn, Penn RTC has had a ton of guys. I mean, they got – they have a whole bunch of people up there. I know Chase Pammy left, but I think everyone else stayed still. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Richard Perry's coming back. That's an incredible story. I know you mentioned what uh, Richard Perry's going to wrestle again. Yeah. He's, he's trying, he's trying to train right now. And oh my gosh, that's oh my amazing. gosh. Yeah. He wants wow. to, he wants to try to go to the last chance and qualify for, for trial. So he, yeah, he was on the Bader show talking about that a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, you know, who knows how how close he gets to that goal, but certainly a lot closer than anybody ever thought he would be. Yeah, um, damn, so, that's crazy. Yeah, and so I mean, that's a great story. Slay was on last week, and he he talked about how big that beat the streets Philly piece is to their whole RTC. I know McKenna's getting really involved there, and and it's one of the first RTCs that I know of that like sort of dedicated themselves to a organization or a purpose and that you know that's a great i think fit for people that want to help support yes. communities and so it's they're doing things a little bit differently and uh it seems like it's paying off absolutely love it love beat the streets okay chandler rogers to little rock as well as bear hughes um chandler rogers did you do all right let's let's quiz ben Askren. <laughs> ben Askren, oh. do you know where chandler rogers was last year i think he was at oklahoma or, i'm sorry um wasn't he at the OTC doing Greco? No, you're you're actually close. He was at um he was the director of operations for Air Force. Oh, that that's close to our close to RCC. I think I counted. I'll give you. I didn't realize close. that. So shout out to okay. Ben Askren for knowing he was in Colorado because yeah. I did not realize yeah. that. I was actually just talking about Chandler Rogers last night at practice because he has a he has a great um, add-on series to the Assassin. That, what is uh, it? Describe I, it intimately. Uh well okay well I don't have a partner here okay so obviously okay <laughs> my why why I cre- created the assassin was because everyone was going flat because um I would cradle them all so they would just go flat and say you're not gonna cradle me okay so I created the assassin walk around and boom the problem is if they build if they build their base you can't assassin them anymore you have to do some type of transitionary move right there has to be another move that goes along with it. Well, he does this thing where he hooks the back ankle. So he has a three-piece series. If they come up, he goes, he got a neck whip to go to, right, which he pulls their ankle out so they, they have no post back there. He can elevate the ankle, drive into them, put them on their side, and then walk over them. Or he can pull it into a cradle that he because he has their ankle hooked with the, his back leg. Um, so it's, it's a pretty fantastic series. Uh, as, as an add-on to the assassin, and obviously that was a position he got quite a few falls from. Um, so yeah, I, I, I always I love the evolution of technique and how it go, how, how it goes. Yes, indeed. And he he was one of the he's, him and Darmstadt I think are the two most prominent uh, assassins in college wrestling the last last yeah. few years. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Little Rock continues to build. They did they had a great first season in my opinion last year and. Bear Hughes, NCAA qualifier caliber guy. Chandler Rogers is going to help out a lot there. So Coach Harrisman doing a nice job in Little Rock. They've got um, Bianchi's, right? Those are your guys, right? Uh, yeah. They, oh, they I mean, Max is their main coach, right? They go to his academy. Um, yeah, so they're there. Well, Matt 
the youngest one is going to be uh, a senior. He's going for his fourth state title here in Wisconsin. Joey and Paul are there at Little Rock. Nice. Yeah. Isn't isn't this edition of of um, Chandler Rogers also an edition of a whole new position at Little Rock? I don't. He's not replacing anybody, right? Like they're adding a new, a new coaching position to the staff. Oh, okay. Is that right? I, I believe that's right. Well, I don't think anyone's left. I think yeah. I think they just it was just. Um, Ersman and Maldonado before, before Rogers. So I think this is also good news that like Little Rock is continuing to add more mm-hmm. support of their program, and that's I mean it's a great sign. And um, I think I think Maldonado is a guy, a great assistant coach because he helped build that uh, that NAIA program in, in Florida where he was coaching before, so he knows kind of the ins and outs of building a program. But now you got to yep. get a face people recognize. I think that's going to help with recruiting. I think another guy that's on the mat every day, and um, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And then the other thing that's fascinating is uh well both the the prominence of Oklahoma's former Oklahoma State wrestlers as coaches, it feels like they're freaking everywhere. Um and then it's really funny to me how they stick together too. Like um, you know, right, that's Neil Arisman bringing two other Oklahoma State guys, Coleman Scott, we've seen him bring in Oklahoma State guys at UNC. Uh Pendleton didn't do that didn't bring in any Oklahoma State guys, I don't think, did he? No, it's uh um... no, I don't think so. Pasoy, Imar, and Engel. Yeah. So, uh, but there are a lot of Oklahoma State guys now, now coaching at the Division One ranks. So John, John Smith has done a good job with that. But Pasoy, coached by Papalizio, yeah. went to. Oh, <laughs> you're tying it back in. There you go. It all connects. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. working on a John Smith coaching tree article, and he's got John Smith has eight Division One head coaches that that wrestled for him. Wow. Um, Dang. So he's yeah he's making. Moves up the coaching tree ranks. Okay. Hey, how how about this break? Could you could you guys do this? Uh, um, who? What division one head coaches produced the most future division one head coaches? That's a good question. I it, think has, it has to be Gable. It, it's got to be Gable, right? Yeah. He, he has he has nineteen head coaches. Nineteen. Nineteen head coaches. Wow. Yeah, it's yep. got to be him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pile. Huh. I wonder if there'll be anyone, any one of the really, really old Oklahoma State coaches. Um, you know, I, I got Moran up here, Tristan, who went to Oklahoma State for three years, and I, I was talking about the best. Uh, I said, "Well, Kale's got to be the best," but you know, John's got to be, I don't know, what three, four, or five, like the best Division One head coach of all time. <laughs> and Moran started bringing up freaking Ed Gallagher and. I don't even know the other Oklahoma some yeah. really really old Oklahoma State coaches. I'm like, dude, stop! You you can count them in Oklahoma, but they don't count for me because that was before <laughs> anyone remembers. You know, anyone really followed college wrestling. Who are the old wait, ones? Wait, wait. now hold Gallagher, on. maybe. Did you what? just say that Kale is is the best D1 coach of all time? Uh, I maybe I was saying I was saying Kale or Gable. I don't remember okay. what I was saying, but we with the That'd discussion was. The discussion was, I mean, he might be. That's I, I wasn't debating. The statement was, where does John Smith fit, right? right? And I said, well, he's behind Gable and Kale, in my opinion, for sure. And after that, I think you can make an argument for him at, at number three. That was my statement. And then Moran started saying, well, what about uh, – what about uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on these guys' names, dang it. I need to have these guys – and when one of them was Ed, Ed Gallagher. I wonder how someone like Bobby Douglas um, fits in there as well. Yeah. Well, he only won a couple of NCAA titles, so I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're going by NCAA titles, you can only, you know, there's only a few people that that fit in there. True. Oh, he he brought up Myron Roderick. 
Oh yeah. Myron <laughs> um, of Croton. Who else did he had? Ed Gallagher was one of the guys he brought up. It was just like all these old Oklahoma State guys. And I was like, just, just stop. Myron, yeah, Myron Roderick. They, he must have won a, t- a ton of titles back in the day at Oklahoma State when they were winning all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Did it, were any of his yeah. dynasties broken up by wars? Because if so, I, I kind of <laughs> – so it's definitely a different era. That's true. Okay. Let's see. So okay. So by the end of his career, nineteen sixty nine, Myron Rogers coached seven team champions and twenty individual champions. Seven. Seven. Do you know, titles. Do you know yep. how many individual champions Gable coached? Oh, <laughs> Who knows? In twenty one years, forty five. Oh forty five champs in in twenty one years. I wonder how many total titles though. Like t- how many team, in- individual I- titles? Like, well, no, that's what, know, yeah, that's what I mean. 41 no, titles. Or 45 titles. 45 oh, titles. okay, got yeah. it. I don't know how many of those wrestlers, how many of those came from different wrestlers. But. Got it. Yeah, that's quite a few champs. Okay. Yeah. Ed Gallagher had 10, 10 team titles, it looks like. That's a pile. All right. Moving on. Um, <laughs> You're done. You're done with the Oklahoma State coaches. <laughs> yeah, I, just the old coaches. It's like, I, what, what, do, what could I possibly offer there? That's, other, what, well, that's what I said. Yeah. That's I know. I it's like, you know what, Tristan Moran, you can school us one day on, on what it <laughs> can mean. Uh, you could tell me the ins and outs of Myron Roderick. Uh, so looking, the, the main recruiting, so as, as uh, we've been discussing and ran some content about, but yesterday was the first day D1 coaches could reach out to class of 2022 athletes. And mm. perhaps unrelated to that, Trey Kybe, will be a class of 2021 verbally committed to wrestle at Virginia Tech. Did we see any other um, recruiting news beyond that? That was that was the big one for uh, me. Yeah. I didn't see any. Okay. Bray, give us the rundown on Trey Kybe. So Trey Kybe, um, he is number 24 on the 2021 big board. He was committed to Penn State before his state tournament. Um, his his PIAA state tournament was crazy. He was the he was the top seed there. He was second in the country, but he was in a bracket with five other guys ranked in the top twelve in the country. Ended up taking fourth. At five state. guys in the top twelve in the country in a state bracket. In a state bracket, you yeah. Start looking what? into this Pennsylvania thing. It was yeah. It was my first trip to PIAA's, and everyone's talking this bracket like this oh bracket's God. crazy. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then I started looking into it, like what? Yeah. So um, so he ended up fourth at state. And then right oh after God. his right after his state tournament, he or not I don't know about right after, but pretty soon after he he uh, reopened his recruiting. Um, now he's headed to Virginia Tech. So big pickup. Uh, he yeah, I think I think he's gonna do. I, I think he can do really well there. I know I know they have um, good options at seventy four, but uh, but you know I don't know. It's yeah, he'll be great. I think at seventy four. Well, who who knows how he'll grow? How Makai will or won't grow? Um, mm-hmm. I would like to think that they'll they'll figure out those are the good problems that yeah. programs like if you're if you're starting to emerge in the upper echelon, which Virginia Tech's been there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. these are the kind of things that happen. And Virginia Tech's going to have this; they're going to have some log jams, right? Um, even mm-hmm. with even with more transferring out, twenty five is going to have Latona and Prada. Prada would definitely. I mean, he qualified for NCAs. He's a top fifteen ish guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Latona's probably going to replace him if he goes twenty five. They have Corbin Myers or Girardi at 33. Or if Prada goes 25, then Latona would come up and enter that conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. 
41, Hilligus or Girardi. I don't know what they're going to, who they're going to go with there. So Tech's going to have some depth at a couple different spots. Even heavyweight, you know, they have Borst and Katka. Katka going to be a true freshman. Yeah, he's good. But um, they could wrestle Borst. Shout out Sharando, Virginia. Um, He's pretty pretty dang good. He's an NCAA qualifier caliber guy as well. They're going to be deep for sure. Hey, uh, Christian, so I'm looking on Flow's 2022 big board. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we talked about the class of 2021. It was some crazy amount was like, it was like 21 of the top 25 were already committed somewhere. Um, You guys don't have the commitments listed on the class of 2022. How many of these guys are already committed somewhere? I mean, is it a really low amount? I think it's a pretty low amount, but we need to get that column in there ASAP. We'll try to do that today. That's, well, I was I was thinking that was fascinating because I remember you know I remember a couple of my guys their their sophomore year that was when they started getting really you know heavily recruited and then wanting to commit but obviously with the sophomore class we didn't get to see tournaments this spring you know right. so it's like college coaches got to be saying the college coaches have to be saying let's wait and see right we're not seeing any tournaments we haven't seen these guys most of them compete at a national level since the fall of their sophomore year and if you think like. You know, Keegan O'Toole would be a great example. Hey, fall of his sophomore year, Keegan O'Toole went freaking two and two at Super 32s. Yeah. Maybe three yeah. and two. Not good. It was not good either way. Well, to <laughs> me, to me, the way I think about it is like, okay, if I'm a coach, if I'm a, a non-blue, blue blood, if I'm not a Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, it's like, yeah, why don't I shoot my shot that I've got the next, I've got my eyes on what might be the next Keegan O'Toole or the next, yeah. look, this kid's going to be great. Let's let's go for it here instead of wait until everyone's sure. Once everyone's sure, then everyone's in on them, right? So I see it as an opportunity. I don't know. I'm the furthest thing from a D1 coach that exists, but I see that as an opportunity for a, quote, lesser program to step in there and maybe land a blue chip before their blue chip and get a verbal and, you know, land, yeah. land someone that is under the radar, right? Bracky's mm-hmm. saying that um, Seth Shoemate, I think, is the only one uh, he says committed to Ohio State. And he's committed wow. to Ohio State. There's yeah. one. Yeah. That, that, there's only one. That, that feels like crazy to me. I feel like if we would look you know, retrospectively at, at other years, that, that would have been way higher. But obviously, without, again, without tournaments, I think people are a lot more hesitant. And then also kids are probably saying, um, you know, maybe I can do better. You know, obviously, besides right, your top couple – are saying, hey, I can do better and get more money. Just give me another couple tournaments. Yeah. I, I, I like this class, too. I think it's going to be a um, be a fun one. I really like Jesse Mendez, one of my favorite guys. He's going to be fun to watch uh, coming up. So, yeah, only one guy, number four. It's a big one, Seth Shoemate for Ohio State. But, yeah, recruiting going to be fun to, to watch. It's definitely going to be a very different year from what we're used to seeing. I don't know if it'll be like mm-hmm. no news all summer and then boom in the fall when stuff opens up, we see more or maybe we get a couple big chips off the board early. Yeah. I don't know. We'll yeah, that's see. wild. Okay. Um, Want to go to some, some questions from friends then uh, get on out? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Here's a fun one. Who has the best super duck of all time? Bubba Jenkins, mm. Joey Dance, Kenny Quartz, or... <laughs> 
the option is Jeff Rutledge. Look him up. Because <laughs> I don't know who Jeff Rutledge is. All right, look him up. <laughs> I'm looking, looking him up. Look, look, this is from Bailey Brown, at Dan's Brita wow. Filter. This is a frequent FRL asker, uh, question oh, so, asker. Hold on. He's got his own. Whoa, he's got a couple highlights that pop up right away. One, Jeff Rutledge career highlight. Next one. Super Duck, Duck highlight. So he has one. his own highlight video of him just hitting Super Duck. This is going to be great. I'm not going to watch Jeff Rutledge Super Duck a bunch of bums. Give me a break. <laughs> That's the thing. You got to – but even like Bubba Jenkins, who like to me, the effectiveness of a Super Duck is all about are you hitting it on guys that are like, you know, really Fine. good, right? Um, or, 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 or you could say bums. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm trying to – I have to be so careful. No, guys, way. it's not Jeff Rutledge. It's not Jeff Rutledge. I'm ready to rule out <laughs> Jeff Rutledge. Um, Joey, De- it's interesting. It's two uh, two VA boys at the top of the list for the Super Duck supremacy. Bubba Jenkins uh, and Joey Dance. Maybe hmm. something pretty super about the old Commonwealth. Um, yeah, I, well, I so think like, you so you're th- we're throwing Kenny Courts out, right? Because I, I think I'm throwing Kenny Courts out. I, I am unaware yeah. of a. Of a, a vintage Kenny Quartz uh, Super Duck. Yeah. Maybe he was hitting them in the Central Dolphin days. I don't remember them as well. I watched a lot of Kenny Quartz. But Bubba and Joey definitely hit him. It's like, but who hit him against the, the the best guys? Joey, was he hitting it that much in, in college? He was more of a misdirect low single guy. Um, Bubba would hit it, but it would never be against the best guys. So... I don't know who it would be. Well, because but- it's hard to hit a Super Duck against the best guys because they just don't <laughs> fall for it. <laughs> You're right. Would you would you get super ducked? You seem like the never. best wrestler. I tell kids it's impossible. I will never get super ducked. If I if I get super ducked, I will freaking hang my shoes up. It's like it's so easy, Christian. If they super duck you, you just freaking don't sprawl and you just turn around and sprawl on them the other way. Okay, well, I've never if it's been super so ducked. simple. I'll why retire. Is it hap- I will why is, retire. Why is it happening? Because they're bums. Not always. I mean, Joey's hitting. Joey hit it at Super 32. You may say, well, that's a high school. He was hitting it against good guys at Super 32. I can't remember exactly who. But he, he super ducked good wrestlers. Um, yeah. You know I remember Sonny Yon super ducked uh, Morgan, Morgan McIntosh uh, when he was fixing his headgear. Uh, I remember that. That was wild. That was Morgan should goal. retire then. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's he, why he— You know what? After that super duck, he eventually would beat Jaden Cox there. Then. Are you sure it was a super duck or was it like just a regular duck? It was a super duck. There was no touch. No touch. Okay. No touch in like, space. From way out. It was left field. It was it was right at the end of the match too, right? Yeah. I mean, like, what? Yeah. It yeah. was in that that Minnesota Penn it's State not, duel. Hey, listen, I'm not gonna call it pretty. It's not like Bubba or Joey dance like smooth and fast, but um it yeah. was technically a super duck. And that, it was <laughs> that was a wild match. And that duel that whole duel was was yeah. wild. We I, I went back and watched that because, you know, going through for this Penn State doc stuff. That was that 2011 12 season and all of a sudden you know penn state in november wrestles minnesota and uh minnesota beat them and well, that was that match was a big reason that that minnesota won that duel you know who else used to hit it a lot chris perry used to hit a super duck a lot i remember it was like the 2008 through 11 ish or not seven through 11 super because flow was just posting super duck videos all the time i was like everyone is hitting these super ducks <laughs> All the time. It was like a, a real phenomenon. Now you don't really see anyone. I think because. Did you start teaching your team like all you drilled for warm-ups, Christian, for your team was Super Ducks? Never. Never. You want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why, really? No, why? I was like, I mean, I watch it so much. And I was like, man, you kind of sick to learn this, right? <laughs> it just be like. Mm-hmm. And then I could never, ever, unsurprisingly, learn it or even get close to hitting it. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. we're never going over it. 
We were very, very basic. Uh, <laughs> except on top where we would use some uh, some Ben Askren cradle series where we would roll across our backs, which Buffalo Gap was well, very I, rare. I think cradles are basic. It's, it's, I do too. I always argue, I argue with people. Listen, human beings have been wrestling for roughly three thousand years. If you want to, you know, take account of the people wrestling in the Bible uh, or whatever, it's been a very long time since people were wrestling. And the greatest move we've been able to come up with three thousand years of humanity is a cradle. I think it is kind of the best move. <laughs> I I kind of actually agree. Uh, I think it's the it's best. Very diverse. You can hit it from a lot of situations. Um, it, it ends the match, right? Doesn't the score you couple points end the match? Yeah, that, that's my that's my argument, people. If you know a better move. Let me know. Yes. Um, well, I think a single leg's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Average move. <laughs> okay. So the, wait, I don't know who has the best super duck, but it's we all we know is it's a Virginian, and it's um, not Jeff. You got to vote. 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 Pick one. Joey. Pick one. Joey. Who do you pick, Bray? Split the tie. I'm, p- I'm picking Bubba. Darn it. Yeah. There we go. Bubba's was was great. Okay. Very good. Um, from Christian Piles drinks chunky milk. I do not. I never have because it's easy to not drink chunky milk. You just have to smell it. We've been over this. You think Michigan is a home you, for cur- – What? You might have drank chunky milk. Never happened. It's never so, happened once so in my gross. life. Never uh. happened. Do you think Michigan is a home for Kurt McHenry or could we see him enter the portal? Medley has two years remaining. Uh, Ragason. Should come in as a full-size 125-pounder. Well, we don't know about Rat- Ragason if he's going to be that. Well, I don't think so. I don't th- I think – or, yes, I do think so. I think Michigan is the home for Kirk McHenry. I think he's going to grow, and I think if you agree that he gr- will grow, I think he will be the best guy in that room, and so then he will start. So you think he's going to beat out Jack Medley or what? Eventually, yeah. But will he be able to do it okay. next year? Will he get the Olympic redshirt for next year? Maybe. I don't know. Um yeah, I think they have options there, and man, Michigan. Look at Michigan. One They're thing deep. is really, but but think about this. And and I remember talking to Coach Borman about this at at one point. It's like they've had a lot of guys with a lot of depth that have that sit the that sit the bench that don't ever make the lineup, or they're not long for the lineup. They don't. They don't. Um, they can't make a spot, but they're legitimate recruits that don't end up in the lineup. And, you know, they, they had the, um, I think it was Lane Van Anroy or one of the Van Anroys. These were good yeah. kids out of, out of Oregon. And they never really, never really found their way in. And basically it's like we, we treat, we put, a, we invest in all these guys. We treat them all really well and they want to stay. And it's Michigan and it's a great place to go to school. And they're treated well and they feel valued so they don't leave. So I think hmm. people will, you know, uh, Acid, right? He could have mm-hmm. probably started yeah. other places, but there, there's a lot of examples, and I don't know why they're not all coming to my mind right now. But there have been many examples of guys at Michigan that they don't start; they could definitely start other places, and they don't transfer because they like it there and they're treated well there. Yeah. So I don't see McHenry leaving. Bradkey yeah, also, uh, Bradkey also put in the chat that that uh, Medley just has one year left, not two. Yeah. See? Oh, okay. see, this guy says all kinds of fake news. He says that Medley has two years, and he says I drink chunky milk. What a fraud. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Someone asked, uh, Joseph Floyd wants to know if Kai creates a log jam with Makai and Connor. I don't think necessarily, especially if Connor's a 57 and Makai's a 65, then Kai goes 74, and there, we solved the log jam. Boom. Um, 
Look at that. Um, we still haven't talked to Coach Bormet about him sitting his entire team next year, Ben. Yeah, we, we let's just let's just get him on radio tomorrow and then just surprise attack. <laughs> and Kyle Dake will come on and he'll tell him he has to. Uh... He's got to make them eat their latitudes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? If anything, because well, wait, hold on. I need to say okay. this, Ben Askren, because if go, anything made go. bad blood biased, it was the fact that you ambushed Jordan Ernest Burroughs <laughs> and ambushed me and Kyle Brackey. That well, created the bias. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jordan Burroughs was going to attack me over a hypothetical tournament and Kyle Dake riding him for more than a minute. And I just thought, you know, that's not very fair of him. Let's bring on Kyle Dake to give his side of the story as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but while, I, even though Kyle Dake knew he was coming on and – to talk to Jordan Burroughs, and Jordan Burroughs didn't know that. Well, but Jordan Burroughs knew he was going to argue about the 165-pound uh, hypothetical tournament, right? So whether whether Kyle Dake was there or Kyle Dake was not there, are his points valid or not? I mean, that that's what it comes down to, which, um, you know, at being the greatest wrestler of all time, I don't think he made very good points in that argument, actually. Oh, I think he did. Uh, that's just because you were picking him. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Okay. Right. Hey, so Ann Arbor and uh, Ann Arbor and Cornell are at roughly the same latitude. So Kyle Dake maybe could mm-hmm. become a nutritional advisor for Michigan. <laughs> so maybe we should have them on at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach Bormet, hear us out. We're trying to get McHenry up to 125. I know you have world class facilities and uh, weight training, but Kyle Dake's going to talk to you about Kurt eating to his latitude, and uh, then he's going to get really big and strong and win titles for you. For the great state of Virginia, Kurt McHenry's from Virginia. What if Loudoun yes. County? What if one of the new features in the Cornell renovations of their facility is like a, a hatch you can open up where you can just bury your food right in the ground, right in the right in the facility? That could be. <laughs> that could be. I think that'd be great. All right. Um, for or against high school cutting weight classes, Ben Askren. Hold on, I'm googling. I'm googling latitudes. Oh my goodness, guys. Ann Arbor is 42.28, and Ithaca is 42.4. I was pretty oh damn gosh. good on that guess. Wow. <laughs> right that's, that's now, it never be said your powers of latitudinal yeah. estimation are not strong, Ben. It's, only, it's, it's, only four. Long been, it's long been discounted. And I said, guys, he's pretty good. It's only four-tenths of a, of a, of a latitude? Yeah. Different? Four-tenths four of a lat. <laughs> four, wow. No, it, it, yeah, point one, no point, not even four-tenths, point, point one two one hundredths. Point one two one hundred. Oh, really? I yeah. thought uh, I thought there was a point four and a point eight. I'm confused. No point. It's, it was point two eight and point four. Point four. Oh. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Point one two yeah. latitudes. Okay. Wow. And we know that's very close. All right, Ben Asker, are you four against high school cutting weight classes? Um, you know what? Uh, I'm against it for the state tournaments. You know, you know, I thought would be a great compromise, Christian, that I thought people could do. Because mostly the complaint is that dual meets, that there are dual meets which are non-competitive because of forfeits. I think what they should do is create some type of um, option maybe and maybe do it by conference, right? So your conference can elect maybe, you know, an eight, eight weight class layout or a nine weight class layout for your in-conference duels. But I don't think anyone's ever said, uh, oh, that weight class at the state tournament is really terrible. We should just it, right? It would be more like like SU. Um, so that's kind of where I, I think would be the best option, and I think that could satisfy parties. Got it. You're getting kind of uh, warbly there, Ben. But 
Um, yeah, I agree. Is so my internet internet slow. It could be. Are you? Did you bury uh, your internet? Because that could be uh, the problem. No, infected. No, I believe. Why don't you hang up and, and re rejoin the call? Why don't you do that, and I'll I'll cover for you. Um, oh. so he did he say eight way classes for high school? Be, I think. I, you, I think. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I hear you. I said nine or eleven per con, you know, for a conference, you know, where they could choose a lesser amount for for the duel for the conference duels. Yeah, I could see that. That's, that's actually a good um, melding of the two. So shorten it yeah. or reduce for duels only, but in this way, you don't limit participate participation or potential starting spots by keeping the fourteen. I like that. Um, yeah, definitely don't get rid because of the last weight class. That would be stupid. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I mean, I think if you if you had to get rid of one, I think you get rid of one up top. I mean, those would be, in my opinion, the weaker weight classes. You know, somewhere one maybe one eighty two, one ninety five, and two twenty become those three become two something to that effect. Yep, you could do that. You could get. I mean, bring back one eighty nine. What a great weight class. Um, yeah, yeah. If anything, Christian, I would actually, I I would push the lightest weight class a slightly lower. Because I actually think it's probably the second or third weight class that are more forfeited, and I don't have stats on this. But when you think of 106, it's really? everything below. So we could go 80. So anyone who fits between 106 can be at 106, right? They can yeah. feel that with anybody. Whereas, uh, say, a 113 is only 107 to 113, right? There's a, a much smaller window of weight classes. And I don't know the statistics for that one. That's just kind of how I feel. I know we have a lot of kids who weigh 95 pounds who wrestle 106. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, that's why they shouldn't. They keep increasing the. Uh, it is hard to find the little guys, but they shouldn't get rid of. They shouldn't get rid of the lightest weight. And yeah, go back to one hundred and three. I like the old weights. Shout out to Michigan. Just keep them. Yeah. Just keep oh yeah, they the kept school. them right. They kept them. They're like, do your own thing. That's a very. That's a very Texas move of Michigan. They're just like, you know, we do. <laughs> yep. what, we do what we feel. Okay. Um, we did the ice cream one. Now they're talking about adding college weights. I don't really want to do that. Um, no, I think we're great. I don't want to add any college weights. Someone asked candidates for the Citadel head coach. Well, I don't know if he'd be interested or not, but what about Matt McDonough for that spot? Um, I know he was this, he was discussed for a, a job at Campbell, and he I know he wanted to stay in the Midwest. Um, I don't know what he thinks about Citadel. I've not discussed that with him. It's in the Midwest of the Southeast. You know what I was thinking for Citadel, Christian? I was thinking a nice clean-cut university, maybe someone off Pat Pop's staff. Uh, I would try to go poach them. Adam Hall's ready to go. That guy, he's going to be a very good, good head coach. I don't know. I, I don't want him to leave yet. I want, want that NC State um, party to continue for a little bit. He's definitely mm -hmm. ready, though. Adam Hall's he's ready to go, but um, I think it's got to be the right spot. Okay. Well, hey. Why don't we get the heck out of here? Call it a, sure. call it a day. Uh, it's 941 deep in the heart of Texas. We'll be back tomorrow, which is Penn State episode one day. Um, Ooh. Maybe we'll surprise Sean Bormet. He doesn't even know. Um, <laughs> we'll, tell, we'll tell him. We'll unveil our master plan. Um, but no. Hey, we're good to go, Kyle. Thanks so much for uh, producing the show so excellently. Thanks to Ben Askren. Thanks to David Bray for filling in for our buddies. Stephen Kyle Bracky was listening and giving us real-time updates in Slack mm -hmm. and 
making sure I'm not crazy about uh, <laughs> wrestling at 92. Always appreciate the backup there. So that's it. We'll see you next time, which is tomorrow. Happy Tuesday. Peace. See ya. We're good.